We all carry something. We get weighed down by regrets from our past. We take our suspicions and judgments with us. We shoulder resentment toward those who hurt and disappoint us. What if we didn't have to carry all that baggage anymore? Well, good morning again, everyone. Those of you who are here live, those of you who are joining us live or later online, uh, it is so good to be with each and every one of you. We say this at Hosanna, we believe the Lord led you here, and, and we mean it. You're here for a purpose, you're here for a reason. And uh, how was your Easter? Have a good Easter, happy, we can still say happy Easter, can't we? Happy Easter uh, to you. It was just last week, so we can still say that, and we get to live as, as, as people of Easter people, we get to live in the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection all year round. Amen? Amen. So, so we are. And I hope you had a good Easter with friends, family. Uh, Jen and I, my wife and I, spent most of our Easter here uh, with all of you, which is fine. We like you. We like being with you. But after seven services, we were ready to go home and take a nap, right? As you might imagine, uh, one of those long, quiet naps. Now, in our household with three boys, that would mean that they would also have to nap. And so uh, that didn't happen because, because the children's ministry team thought it would be a good idea to give that, that big chocolate bunny that was used in the children's segment to our kids. So that's what happened to it, and that's why we didn't nap uh, in, in our house. But, but last week on Easter, we started this series. It was like a soft launch, a prelude, a preface. We, uh, we don't always do this on Easter, but we started this series called Baggage Claim, and, and now we're, we're getting into it full, full swing this week. The idea is that we all acquire baggage in our lives. We all do, big and small. Luggage, baggage on our shoulders. But God wants us uh, to live a life with less baggage, a life that is lighter, a life that, that, where there's greater ease. And in, in, in exchange for all the baggage that, that God wants to take from us, he offers us this. Now, I talked about this last week. This is a pillow, of course, but I'm using it to illustrate the idea of the yoke, the yoke that Jesus offers us. This life that is lighter and, and there's greater ease to it when we're wearing Jesus' yoke. Where do we get this from? We get this from a passage in, in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Just soak these words in. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden, it's light. Jesus is saying, in exchange for all that baggage that I wanna lift from your shoulders, I wanna give you this yoke that is lighter, that, that is easier. Now a yoke, as, as you know, is an apparatus that is used to guide and direct animals in the right direction, so that's part of what Jesus is talking about with this yoke. It's helpful to know this, in the first century, yokes were, were carved by hand, these wooden yokes, and, and they were custom made. They were made to fit each animal individually. And so when Jesus is talking about taking a yoke, there's a yoke, there's a life that is made to fit you, that is custom made. It's made to fit you personally, just right, so that it doesn't rub or 
chafe against your neck. That's the ease, the lightness. But in order to live that life, we, we first have to deal with, with the baggage so that there's room on our shoulders. So in this series, Baggage Claim, we're going to be talking about baggage like resentment and regret. And today we're going to talk about the baggage of religion, the baggage of, of religion, specifically from Christianity. Now, certainly, you can, you can make the case that all religions have put baggage on people's shoulders. That's true. Just listen to the news. Most recently, the horrific, you know, horrific uh, tragedy in Brussels in the name of religion, right? Our hearts and prayers go out to those people and, and, and many others throughout the world. But we're talking specifically today about the baggage that has been put on people's shoulders from, from Christianity. Why would we start here? A couple of reasons. One, people have baggage, People have baggage that has been put on their shoulders from the church, the larger church. Secondly, and I've already said it, in order to have this life that Jesus wants us to have, we have to deal with this baggage. We have to help people deal with the baggage that's on their shoulders from Christianity, from the church. And we have to deal with it too. But I gotta tell you, and this is uh, so true, I was thinking about this morning, only God can do this. Only God can, can help us unload and unpack the baggage that is on our shoulders. So I'm gonna pray. Would you pray with me one more time? God, we, we invite you to come even more, Lord. Clear away any barriers that would stand in the way, that whether they're within us, God, or around us, uh, make us humble and sensitive and open to how your spirit wants to move. Lord, I pray the same for me. Less of me, more of you. I pray that you would do through me and through us and in us what only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Okay, I'm feeling better now. Here we go. So religion has been, has been putting weight on people's shoulders from the very beginning of human history. From the very beginning, you can trace this all the way back. And much of the time, these religious systems uh, were based on sacrifice, animal sacrifice, Animal sacrifice, the people adherence to religion, these religious uh, systems were, were asked to make animal sacrifices for their sins, for their offenses against God. Like in this cartoon here, okay, it kind of illustrates it. And obviously, obviously, you know, the, the bigger the sin, the bigger the offense, the, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the animal, the bigger the animal. Now, this was, uh, um, this doubled as an ancient form of bodybuilding, okay, as you can see. And, and those with the bigger muscles, they were the ones with the most sins, and those with smaller muscles had the least amount of sins, which is still true today. Okay. I wish. No, it's not. Okay. Some of you are clapping. I'm going to hear from those muscle men after the service. So anyway, actually, one came up to me after the service last night, big muscles, and I'm like, okay, this is it. <laughs> okay, it was nice knowing all of you, but uh, he actually asked me to pray for him. So anyway, um, so it's, it's been happening since the very beginning of time. And, and, and it was certainly true in Jesus' day. In Jesus', in Jesus day, uh, people, the religious leaders, the teachers, were notorious for heaping burdens on, on people's shoulders. They, they were notorious for this. It kind of kept them in business. The more sacrifices, the more need to make sacrifices they could come up with, the more it kind of justified their, their existence as religious leaders. But, but then Jesus comes along, and he has a very different message he has a very different message and he has a very different way of, of talking about God and relating to God, not loading more baggage on people's shoulders, but Jesus comes to lift baggage off people's shoulders. That's what Jesus, Jesus comes to do. And yet he warns, he warns people, 
his followers, crowds, even us today, he warns people of those religious leaders who will, who will put burdens on others' shoulders. And we read about this in Matthew 23. If you have your Bibles, you can open them there or be on the screen. This is the NIV translation, by the way. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees must sit in Moses' seat. This was in Moses' role of teaching the law. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. So what they were teaching was actually right. right? Jesus hasn't, hasn't sacrificed his life and fulfilled the law yet. But do not do what they do. Don't do what they do. What are they doing? For they do not practice what they preach. There's one word to capture what that is. Hypocritical. They're hypocrites. But verse four, this is where, where I want us to zone in. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads. That Greek word for loads, it's used uh, to, to uh, summarize kind of how boats are, are loaded up with heavy weights. Imagine a boat just kind of being burdened by weight to the point of sinking and put them on other people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So Jesus talks about these religious leaders in his day who are heaping loads, weights onto people's shoulders and and they're not lifting a finger to help relieve people of that weight, to relieve people of those loads. And they were, what they were doing specifically is they were, they were coming up with these obscure laws and these minute interpretations of, of the law and they just kept pouring it on, pouring it on, but hypocritically because they weren't living them themselves and they weren't lifting a finger. And then Jesus comes along and he has a different message. He, he actually has an upside down message. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Shea on Palm Sunday gave this message on the upside down kingdom. Some of you remember this. If you haven't heard it, you gotta check it out two weeks ago. And, and he talked about how Jesus came The week before I talked about Jesus came to start a revolution. A revolution leads to a kingdom and this new kingdom is an upside down kingdom where where everything is turned upside down. Leadership is turned upside down. Political systems are turned upside down and religion in this kingdom is turned upside down where Jesus comes not, not to load up people's shoulders but to lift burdens off people's shoulders. It's upside down. And then Jesus, he starts this movement, he starts this, this kingdom revolution, and then, and then he, he gives the movement, the responsibility for carrying on this movement to the church, to, to his followers, that we are now, in, we inherit this, this movement, this, this calling, this legacy 2,000 years later as the church, the body of Christ. And, and just like Jesus as the founder the church as the body of Christ should be helping to lighten loads, not piling on, not piling more loads on, not piling more weight on people. Should be lightening loads. Now, the, piling on, some of you are football fans, and you know that piling on is a penalty, right? If, if someone gets tackled, and, and then when, once that person's down, more people just pile on, it's a penalty. Whoop, whistle, yellow flag. And I just wonder if that should be, I wish I had a whistle, if that should be, if that should be a penalty for, for the church too, I, th- I think so. Because, because the reality is, even though that should be as the church, the, the, this movement, the body of Christ, we should be lifting loads, not piling on, the reality is the church has put weight on people's shoulders. It has burdened people. And we can either, we can get, either get, you know, deny that or get all defensive or you know, deflect the blame, point the finger, or we can, I think, do the, the Jesus way which is to acknowledge that it's happened. 
to take responsibility for it. And in a series called Baggage Claim, to claim the baggage of the church. Right? Now, from here, uh, you, you, you need to hear what I'm, I'm going to say from here in one of two ways. Some of you need to hear this for you because you have baggage on your shoulders from the church. Big or small, you have baggage on your shoulders and you need to hear what I'm gonna say from here on out for you. Some of you, we all have some baggage, I think, along the way from the church, but some of you not so much. You need to hear this message for someone you know, maybe a neighbor or a friend or a relative or an adversary. Like, why are they so hostile to the church? It might be because the church has put some baggage on their shoulders. And you hear this for them from here. Because from here, what I wanna do is I want to, baggage claim, claim the baggage of the church. To just claim it on behalf of the church. That, that the church has had, had baggage. Baggage like, like guilt. Like the church has put this bag on people's shoulders, guilt. Baggage like, like hurt. The church has put hurt on people's shoulders. You know, baggage like, this one says irrelevant. You know, the church has sometimes been boring. I'm sure that's never been your experience, but it's been confusing. Not applicable, right? Uh, Baggage like conflict, conflict. Yeah, the church has a, a long history of, of conflict over, over the 2,000 years of its history. Maybe it's part of your story where you came from a church where the MO was conflict or, or you left a church because there was just so much conflict. Um, just listen to the news. Some people in the name of Christianity, there's conflict. Social media, my goodness, conflict. And we'll pull one more off here. This one says judgmental. It's owning the church's baggage that the church has been at times judgmental. It's put judgment on people's shoulders, have, have made them feel like excluded, like somehow the love of God doesn't extend to them. It's baggage. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's more that I haven't mentioned, but, but there's baggage on people's shoulders. And I think the least we can do as the church is help people unload, help people unpack some of that baggage. I think that's, that's right and fair. And the two that, that tend to hit the most people, I think, are these first two that I mentioned. The first one being hurt. That people are carrying around baggage from the church uh, that has hurt them. That has, that has caused them to feel some pain, to feel some loss. Now some people, some people actually have like intellectual objections to Christianity. Some people do, and I don't want to ignore that. But a lot of the times, what I find and what we find is that people who say they have objections to Christianity, when you dig deep enough and, and you listen and you ask the right questions, that, that what's really going on is this thing, hurt, has intensified their objection. Or maybe it is the source of their objection. And there's a, there's a spectrum of severity when it comes to hurt. You know, from, from little things that have happened along the way to very extreme examples of people getting hurt. You know, just some little examples. This, you know, maybe some of these happened to you. Like that first time you showed up at church and you started singing, you noticed people started putting earplugs in their ears. That hurt, didn't it? 
right? <laughs> maybe. Or, uh, or maybe um, you showed up at the, at the potluck. Potluck, is that how we say it in the Midwest? And you wanted that third helping of, of tater tot hot dish. I said casserole last night, and it was like I had committed a major sin. More baggage on people. Uh, or maybe you fell asleep. It's never happened here, but you fell asleep during the sermon. You bumped your head. So there are little, little things that can happen, right? Those are, those are you know, just humorous, silly things. But then there are the extreme examples. You know, like, like uh, what, what we have been hearing about for many, many years now, the, the abuses that have taken place in the church. The movie Spotlight that's come out. Some of you have seen this. Putting the spotlight on the, on the abuse that happened over many, many years. Horrific, painful baggage. And then there's everything in between, the, you know, the lesser to the more extreme. We all have stories, don't we? I, I think we all have stories of, of how this baggage has been put on people's shoulders. I've got stories. My friend Ben, when I was in sixth grade, I started bringing my friend Ben to church. And uh, Ben uh, didn't have a church background at all. His dad was Jewish, his mom was Catholic, and they didn't really go to either one. And, and so I started bringing to Ben and he was start, to church and he was starting to dig it. And, and then one Sunday, it was communion Sunday, and, and at our church growing up, everyone would come up to the altar and kneel for communion. And Ben came up with me and, and when the pastors, he's going by one by one, got to, to me and to Ben, he kind of whispered, the pastor whispered something to me and I couldn't quite understand what he said and apparently I didn't give the right response because he just skipped right over Ben. Baggage. Now, now I get it, okay? I mean, the Bible does talk about having some understanding of what communion is about before we receive it but, but at the same time, you can't tell me that those first disciples on that first, you know, Lord's Supper understood everything that was going on. I mean, like some denied him, one denied him, one doubted, one betrayed him. They didn't get it. There's baggage. Now, I I got some redemption later because right after my ordination service, when I was ordained first as a pastor, the first thing I did was call Ben up for communion. (laughs) And and he took communion. My cousin Carl, uh, I've talked about him before, but in confirmation, at his church, he started asking questions. Now, Carl's one of those guys who uh, he didn't go to college because he didn't need to. Like, he's just really brilliant. And so some of the questions, the pastor was probably going, you know, what? It's over my head. But the pastor said to him when he was asking these questions, said, hey, just stop asking questions, right? Just accept it, okay? Just accept it. Stop asking questions. Carl did stop asking questions. He stopped going to church. (laughs) I was thinking about this. This one just came up last night. But the church, when I first got to this church in California, uh, there was an incident where um, some new people showed up and some old-time members came and said to them, you're in my seats. <laughs> I've heard stories of people, you know, who being told that if they didn't speak in tongues, that they weren't really a spirit-filled Christian or that they weren't a bona fide Christian. That's not biblical. <laughs> it's not biblical. All kinds of, of, of stories of how people have been, been hurt. Church. So what do, we, what do we do with this? As a church, I think you're getting the idea. As a church, I think the right thing to do, the Jesus thing to do, is to acknowledge it, to own it. I know there's this whole theory out there, you know, don't, don't admit, your, admit your weaknesses, don't admit your weaknesses. That's not biblical. That's pride. The Bible talks about boasting in our weaknesses, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. But what do you do if you're someone who has been hurt by the church and you're carrying around some of this baggage? 
So the first thing, and I, I, I want you to hear this, I believe that, that God has asked me to do this on behalf of the church. Hear this. If that's you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, period. Never should have happened. Whatever, it never should have happened. Wish it had, you wish it had, I know. But I'm sorry. We're sorry. And it kind of has to start there that, that you would start with accepting our apology. If you would hear that apology on behalf of the church, not, not necessarily just this church, although maybe it was, but, but please, starting with accept our apology. And you might be thinking, well, it wasn't you, it wasn't this church, it was another church. Hear it from, hear it from God on behalf of the church. Sorry. And I also realize that sometimes hearing sorry doesn't make it better all of a sudden. Right? There's, a, there's a process of, of learning to forgive and, and coming to the point of, of forgiveness. We have ministries here that help people with that, like Sozo, a prayer ministry, um, that, that can help with that. But it starts there. And then secondly, we have to accept all of us, that the church is imperfect. Why? Because the church is filled with people. <laughs> right? As far as I can tell, you're all people. And, and as people, as humans, we are imperfect. We have baggage. And the adage is true, hurt people hurt people. This helped me early on in my ministry when I was so idealistic early on. And, and every time the church kind of did something I didn't think was right, it was just like, come crashing down. But really, it was... It was just coming to terms with that the church, there's a lot of good that happens in the church, but the church is filled with humans and it's imperfect. All of us are imperfect. There's only one who's perfect. The head of the church, and which is the third and most important thing to accept is, is the perfect head of the church, Jesus. It starts by accepting him, looking to him, looking to, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And, and, and it's always important, but when the church maybe starts to, to do things that, that aren't quite what Jesus intended, all the more important to, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And guess what else? That's when healing starts to happen. Because Jesus makes healing possible when we fix our eyes. Like we fix our eyes on the church, it is going to be like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He is rock solid. He is, he is reliable 100% of the time. He will never let you down, ever we, not, we may not be perfect, but we are loved with a perfect love. And we're healed because of Jesus. By Jesus' wounds, we are healed. So whatever healing, and maybe it has to do with the church, maybe it doesn't, but Jesus can bring that healing as the head of the church, the perfect, the only perfect part of the church, Jesus Christ. Where do you need to experience that healing? Maybe it's something I've talked about. Maybe it's something totally different, but by Jesus' wounds, we are healed. You know, we, we have a healing ministry here and we love, we love being used by God to bring healing, but, but I had this thought the other day. Healing isn't the best that the church has to offer. The best that the church has to offer is the one who makes healing possible, <laughs> amen? Jesus Christ is the one who makes it possible. We fix our eyes on him. And when we, when we fix our eyes on him and we receive all that Jesus has for us, it's like we stand in this new place where we are, we are healed and we're forgiven and we're set free and we are guiltless, which makes this next bag so, 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 so ironic. Guilt, the guilt that, that has been put on people's shoulders because of the Christian religion. It's guilt. 
The very thing that Jesus came to remove from our shoulders, to relieve us from, the church has at times put it on people's shoulders. In fact, I would even say at times the church has heaped it on people's shoulders. Like you wanted that tater tot hot dish and instead you got guilt, (laughs) right? Piled on. And no denomination is guiltless here. The Baptists, you know, Presbyterians, Assemblies of Gods, Catholic, Lutheran. Although for us Lutherans, I think it was as much about being Scandinavian. Scandinavians are really good at guilt. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what ufta means. Ufta, guilt. <laughs> it's this sense that I'm just, man, I just can't get it right. I don't, I don't measure up. Like I, I must always be doing something wrong. We feel that. And it's so weighty. And, and I gotta tell you, it is prevalent. It is prevalent. I talk to people all the time. I was just talking to someone in my office this week and, and he struggles with a guilty conscience. Sometimes he hasn't even done anything, but he just feels guilty because of his religious upbringing. It's guilt. I think a lot of times people you know, feel guilty as a result of religion because they see Christianity primarily as a religion. It's not. Christianity is not primarily a religion of rules and regulations and moralism and and legalism. Christianity isn't primarily a religion. It is primarily a relationship. It's a relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. And through that relationship, you can know that God loves you, that he's for you, that he accepts you, that he forgives you. He starts, he starts new with you every morning. And every time you say, God, let's start this up again. I mean, pick a verse. Just pick a verse. I mean, just mention a few. If you confess your sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive you your sins and cleanse you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Or how about this one? If anyone is in Christ, the old, the old is gone, the new has come. How about this one? There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> or how about John 3.17? Most of us know John 3.16, but John 3.17 says that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to what? To rescue, to save the world. To save, to set us free. I, I, love, I love this one in, in, in John. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If he sets you free, you're free. And then I came across this verse that just nails it. And Isaiah, the prophet who's predicting what Jesus will do, speaking as a prophet for God. Yes, I alone, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never, never think of them again. God doesn't only forgive, he forgets. It's like out of his mind. We carry this guilt around. God has forgotten about it. And so we can too. What are you, what are you feeling guilty about? What are you feeling? Where, where are you carrying around this burden of guilt? Hear these words. In Christ, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are, you are cleansed. You are made new. You are made clean. You are like, it's like baptism. We saw it earlier. It's like you're washed and this new life emerges. We saw it this morning and some of you next weekend, you're going to enter into this, this baptism, this sacred act, made new. And the church is at its best when we are bringing that message 
when we're bringing the message of forgiveness and newness and hope and grace. You know, not putting more burdens on people's shoulders, but helping lift, lift those burdens, lighten the loads of people. The church is at its best when, because I, I want to close by talking about the church at its best. We've talked about the church at its worst. We've acknowledged that. We've owned that. But I want to land with talking about the church at its best. The church at its best. What does it look like? It looks more and more like Jesus. And, and what does Jesus do? He lifts the burdens that are on people's shoulders. He doesn't just lift them. He carries them. He carries them. He helps people by not only taking them, and do you know that that's true of you too, that the burdens you're carrying, he doesn't want to just lift them. He's willing to carry them for you. Carry them for you. That is good news. And what does, the, what does the church look like at its best? It's taking, not putting baggage on people's shoulders, it's taking the baggage, like irrelevance, and saying, okay, let's, let's help people experience in a more relevant way who God is and what God's really all about, what Jesus is really like. The church at its best, it, it, it helps people deal with the judgment that they've, they've had piled on them over the years, sometimes by the church in some other places where they've been left out. They were the kid who wasn't picked you know, on, the, on, the, on the kickball team and they've been judged and they've been left out and they've been excluded and the church says, hey, there's one place, there's one place where you will not be rejected and it's here. And, and the church at its best, it teaches people, it doesn't stir up more conflict, it teaches people how to deal with conflict in healthy ways. Teaches people how to, you know, not live with so much conflict in their lives. It teaches people to, to go to Jesus with their guilt and, and to put it at the foot of the cross. It teaches people to take their hurt and find real healing in Jesus Christ. That's what the church at its best looks like. The church at its best lifts the baggage and helps people find this life more and more and more helps them live this, this life, this Jesus way that is lighter, that where there's greater ease to it, where you can walk around without the weight of the world on your shoulders. And we, as the church, we learn to do this more and more too. Un- unpack our baggage, deal with our baggage, and live this life that Jesus has for us. And, and that, that's when things really start to happen. And the other thing that happens when we start wearing this life, this yoke that Jesus gives us, is we start not only getting yoked to Jesus, we get yoked to other believers, to the body of Christ. I, I love this vision of the church. You know, there, there are engines that are high-powered engines, like 20-horsepower 20, 20 engines. You know, these tra- things that can move. But back in the day, you know how they move things? With actual horses. <laughs> and here's a picture of, of a 40-horse team right here. And all the horses are yoked together. You get this? They're yoked together and they're moving in the same direction. They're pulling in the same direction. And we as, as people who are wearing Jesus' yoke, we're yoked together and we're pulling together. Imagine, imagine what we can do together. Imagine what we can do together when we're yoked together and we're pulling in the direction that God wants us to go. Imagine the burdens we can help lift from people. Imagine the burdens we can help lift from the world. I would say it this way. Don't just imagine what what we can do. I would say there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing we can't do as the body of Christ when the church is at its best. I don't want to close. It's kind of a funny question to ask you, but but if you see yourself as one of the horses pulling for God's kingdom together here at Hosanna, would you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, 
We do. We start by confessing as, as a church. Lord, on behalf of the church, for those ways maybe that we haven't always gotten it right. There is no perfect church and that includes us, Lord. We love what you're doing here. We're grateful for what you're doing at Hosanna, but, but we humbly acknowledge that in some way, shape, or form, maybe actively or maybe passively, we have contributed to the weight that people are carrying around because of the church. Hear our confession, Lord. I pray that the people who have, have been burdened by that here today would, would hear the, the words, simple words, we're sorry. I feel led to, to thank those people for giving the church a second chance. Some of them are here after Easter and we thank you for giving the church a second chance. And we won't be perfect, but we will be committed to being more and more like Jesus. And that's our prayer that you would, God, continue to grow us and to shape us to be more and more like you. That, that the worst of the church, Lord, we, we wanna unload that baggage and we want to take on the yoke in our individual lives and as a church so that more and more people can, can know that there is a God who is for them, who loves them, who wants to lift burdens off their shoulders, doesn't wanna put more burdens on their shoulders, wants to lift them with your love and your grace and your truth. But I pray that we would go forth not feeling burdened by this message, but feeling boosted by this message to live more fully for you as individuals and as a church. And now lead us, Lord, as we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand for a closing blessing. We do believe the Lord led you here. We believe that he's stirring. And in some of you, uh, it would be good to to um, come for more prayer. We have prayer ministers, trained prayer ministers ready to pray with you up front or in the prayer room for any reason, including this idea of baggage. You might be carrying some baggage and God wants to lift that off. Come for ministry time. And remember, next week we'll be having baptisms. But now receive this blessing from God's heart to yours. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. We love you. God loves you. See you next week.